that'll think that'll work nicely though. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Chewing the Fat. I am your host Johnny, as you all know. This week I have a co-host who is also Johnny. His name is Johnny O'Sullivan, and I have the rare opportunity on my podcast to surround myself with people from many walks of life, many backgrounds. And oftentimes, people who I consider to be much more intelligent than myself. So today, we get an opportunity to learn, as well as have some fun discussions. So, Johnny, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started? Alrighty, Cole's notes version. Um, <laughs> Gotta so wrap this up quick. Uh, born <laughs> and raised in Ottawa, uh, I got my undergrad in international development globalization. I worked for many years in a, with the indigenous peoples here in the Stassigny Lake, in northern Quebec, uh, and then I transferred that work into the a bit of research work at the Human Rights Research and Education Center, working on Indigenous rights. Then I, uh, I was in Kenya for about a year, working uh, as a consultant with like uh, social social impact business accelerators, uh, primarily centered around empowering uh, women aged 10 to 19, trying to change the lives of 1 billion girls by the year 2030. This is a US, British and Nike Foundation funded project. At the same time, I, I was going to school three days a week um, at the Imani Institute, getting a, a postgrad certain social innovation management. Um, did some more work with Indigenous Maasai there. Um, still keep very, very close tabs in touch with them, and I, I, uh, I, I try to send whatever work I can do if ever need be. And then I came back to Canada. I uh, work in HVAC. This is always my go-to job when not over traveling overseas. Yeah, need cash. yeah, getting greasy in the ducks. And um, and then I went and got my master's in the UK. So that was another year. And then I came back, I tried to start my own venture um, for the using electronic sellers for the preservation of root and tuber plants like potatoes. Um, damn near close to making it work, but it all fell through when I, you know, my, my business partner was a, a gun-toting, Trump-loving Mormon who, <laughs> who investors don't particularly take yeah. to very, very uh, Especially Russian investors. Yeah, I yeah, know, the Russian, the Russian offer was not good for him. I, I thought we should do some villains and explore it, right? Yeah. As one does when somebody says $45 million. But yeah. But no, it didn't want to, but that's okay. Um, so anyways, and then I, I also work with a company called Transcendent Media Capital. They, they tell and support like social impact stories, anything with environmental or social justice, not to the woke level, yeah, <laughs> but like yeah, climate yeah. refugees, uh, domestic violence, uh, counterterrorism, like we've worked on a variety of topics. So I was supposed to move to Portugal last summer. I had a, a quote unquote, scooter accident in Cuba in 2018, which <laughs> tore my shoulder out. So uh, so I needed to stay in Canada for the surgeries and I two two down, shoulder still hurts like a bitch, but now I'm here. Two down, two more to go? Yeah. Or your, your, your surgery's done? There, well, I don't for, know, I'm now, waiting on another CT scan. Yeah. They gave me an MRI after my second surgery, but the titanium is in there messed up the image a bit. So anyway, so now I'm working with a climate change startup with a buddy of mine that I had actually met in Kenya, who's a mm -hmm. former NASA data scientist, and it's a, it's a climate change startup. All right, so Jesus Christ, as you can tell, Johnny's been around. Johnny's done, and not me, this Johnny. Johnny's done, Johnny's done some shit. So we're gonna be talking today about some subjects which I'm extremely interested in, but not necessarily well-educated in. So that's why I love to have a guest on who knows a lot more about these particular topics. So I get a chance to learn and entertain as well as you guys get a chance to, to listen and, uh, and get some information as well. So we're going to be talking about politics. We're going to be talking about what it's like living overseas. We're going to be talking about climate change. We're going to be talking about a little bit about cultural appropriation. A lot of things that Johnny himself has worked directly with 
and that I've always found very fascinating and interesting. So why don't we start things off with politics? I mean, nowadays you hear some people say like, oh, I don't really, I don't really get into politics. I'm not a political person. Well, I'm sorry, but politics is fucking everything. Nowadays more than ever. Democracy doesn't work unless you have an educated, informed and engaged electorate. Exactly, simple as that, right? Exactly. To say, to stay silent is to say part of the problem. Correct. Right? Make it as simple as possible. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about some of your work in politics. I don't work in politics, but yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, what, do you, what do you mean my work in politics? Like, are, are you trying to touch on my 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 rants about it? No, I, I, <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to. I'm trying I'll rant about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to trick you into something. I'm so, so one something. thing that we were talking about before you started recording was, I wrote I wrote several papers on global governance before, and like when when issues face like they're called transnational issues right when mm-hmm. an issue like climate change or issue, there we go that's what i was trying to yeah so work I, with climate change yeah so an issue like climate change that affects every country on earth um there's no real international institutions that have the teeth of the meat and potatoes to get countries to do anything at the end of the day each country is responsible to its own uh, electorate and often that electorate is not it these these issues are so complex so interconnected and so grand that they can't even comprehend it and then the other half of the time they're getting fed information that may feel good but it ain't it ain't the truth yeah so so i think we were what my my main main issue was that we were discussing was my one kick up on democracy is that politicians only think four years at a time there we go they're only trying to think of the next opportunity to you know get elected so the issues that are facing the world right now are so deeply complex well, they, they were they were called 30 year 30 year plans 30 year plans, plans and if every four years a new a new opposing ideological representative comes in and just undoes what you did then we're not making any progress You're starting back at square yeah one. and i was telling you like do you know that the, the closest thing to a world government that academics it's there's debate to this but you would never think but it's the wto judiciary they're the only international body that has like legally binding shit so the UN Security Council, they can't agree on fuck all. Mm-hmm. It's five five winning countries from World War II. So whatever. The UN General Assembly, again, people, they've done, the UN's done amazing work. But like there, it, there's too much competing political, like national politics, right? So uh, the G20, again, not legally binding. G7, not legally, you can all come together and agree on shit. But my biggest fucking issue is that we need technocratic experts and like, diligent uh, communication to the people. You know what I mean? Like we need to have the world's best experts constantly doing like weekly releases. I don't know why we don't straight up take like, just, prime time Everything you're educate saying people. right now, it just seems like it would be common sense. You would hope. You, would fucking, you would fucking hope. And I mean, the the politicians that are around for their, for their four year tenure, whatever it yeah, is, yeah. Their, their four year, maybe eight year if they get reelected. And we're talking about the big dogs. We're talking mm-hmm. about the prime ministers, presidents, all that kind of stuff. When we know that issues like climate change, which there's no second shot at this, like we fuck up this planet, we're fucked. Like save, save Elon Musk figuring out how we can survive on Mars. The last, the last time there was 415 parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere, like which there is right now, there was palm trees in Antarctica. You know, you got to wrap your head around that. But people don't want to hear that because it doesn't feel good. No, no, it feels horrible. And this is this is probably the one of the biggest things. Human human beings. Being the stupid animals we are, often don't fix something until it's broken. Yeah, well, we're, you know, until, rea- we're not proactive, we're reactive. Until we reactive. see the bleeding and the crisis is directly touching our nose, we're not going to do anything about it. <coughs> you know, like the uh, 
when they when we discovered the hole in the ozone, the world came together to ban the chemical and air conditioners and aerosol cans that was causing this. And now the hole is closing. That's often used as the one example of like, hey, we actually did something together and it worked. Good job, guys. But it was because we finally had satellite imagery to show, oh shit, there's a big hole in the ozone. We better fucking do something. So, about but this. people could see that problem, right? So I think that you know, unfortunate to say, I think the U.S. might change your god. Well, Biden, he's far more supportive of climate change leadership, but like. When there's one million, you know, Floridians that are now refugees in their own state moving inward, I think then you might give a damn because now you got Florida coming to you, yeah. coming into your state because no they're underwater. Yeah, no, no, it's, no one wants that. It's and it's not to say that climate change means it's always going to be warmer. It just means you're going to get extremes, right? Yeah. It's it's unpredictable extremes. Well, think about it here. This is this is the end of November, yeah. and last week it was what, like a 16 degrees. Again. I, I'm only I'm only 36. I never, never in my 36 years on this planet ever do mm-hmm. I, remember, I, I remember a mid end of November where it was 16 fucking degrees. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And if you want to put that as a very simple, very simple example, and you mentioned the fact that with the hole in the ozone thing, like, oh, people could see this. It was in our face. It was right in the yeah, face. Yeah. We got to fix it. There's shit that's in our face right now that we're just refusing to acknowledge. Well, there's so much debating, like, oh, is it human cause? Okay, climate change is happening, but what can we do? And Any, the wrong people are having these debates. It's I don't, the uneducated that are having these fucking that's debates. That's what I said. It's like, okay, let's. So the guy goes to school for eight years, tests his hypothesis, has a rigorous peer review, and then some guy in the internet come, who read a watch YouTube video and read a blog goes, bullshit, fake, fake news, fuck you, fake news. you're an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ridiculous. This celebration of ignorance, right? Yeah. Like, it's. But that's the problem when you're fed bullshit all the time. You're, you're completely unable to distinguish between what's true and what feels. Yeah, I mean, what is it? Facts don't care about feelings. Yeah, like, but unfortunately now, unfortunately, everything has a feeling. Like, the damage that that Cheeto did to public discourse is going to take <laughs> generations. You know what? Like, I'm not going to get into debate about pro-Trump or not because yeah. I think it's pretty clear what my fucking opinion on that yeah. shit is. But, yeah. but it's the fact that like you literally can't tell some of these people nothing to change their their opinion. Yeah, like we all live in echo chambers. With where algorithms feed us the bullshit that already confirms our biases, mm-hmm. and we can't control that, mm-hmm. and then you just you're constantly being fed your own garbage back to you, and then how's it going to change, right? So I would like to see a massive reignitement of intellectualism in the world. You know what I mean? Like, what do you think it would take for that to happen, though? Because it's like I said a few minutes ago, there are so much evidence that is being presented to us from intelligent people. And we've had people for, for quite a few years now saying like, guys, we have to fix this fucking shit mm-hmm. because we're going to lose this fucking planet. Like we've been saying, like we've been saying it for years. Now all of a sudden David Attenborough has got an Instagram account and people are like, Oh man, David Attenborough's on Instagram. Holy shit. Like we got to take yeah. this for what it's worth. It's like, well, what the fuck about all the, there's scientists and doctors before oh, yeah. who the, were saying, guys, Shell like, Gas been writing fucked. about it since the 50s. Yeah. Pentagon's been writing about it in like conflict and its impact, uh, sorry, climate and its impact on conflict for the last 50 years. Like, dude, this shit is not, it's not up for debate amongst people who actually know what they're talking facts about. Facts aren't up for debate. Yeah. Facts are not up for debate. Facts are facts. It's mm-hmm. the way that it is. And to try and argue with someone that believes two plus two is five, and it's not that they think it, yeah. they believe it. And I, I believe it. You don't need to be a chemist or like a climatologist to, when you see the, the pictures from ISS orbiting the earth and you see, you know, the earth at night where humans have touched every corner mm-hmm. and you just see this little strip of atmosphere. This is a very complex chemical reaction. Everything on earth is contained in this little biosphere. And you think that by pumping out <coughs> for the last 150 years into the sky ain't gonna change yeah, that chemical balance? Of course yeah. it is. 
But anyways, like so, en- enough people piss in the pool. Yeah, that's it's gonna that's turn all. fucking yellow. Yeah. That's what it is. So that's why I like I like carbon based right now because I, I basically what it is is people can find find out their footprint, offset their footprint by invent like supporting um, certified uh, projects, gold standard and bears. What it's called. And this is what you do currently. This is what I'm doing currently, and then we're fine. We, we provide discounts, rewards. Uh, prizes, experiences Incentive. for people to do that, right? Yeah. So we're just trying to incentivize people to do what is a moral obligation anyway, well, right? Yeah, it's like people want to be rewarded for doing the right thing. But that's the thing, I'll listen, I'll play the game. Yeah. Like, I don't give yeah, a fuck, yeah, yeah, yeah. but once I bring somebody into the fray, because um, there's a bunch of other tools that we have, like we can start educating them, right? Like if somebody's interested, like when we start doing our live concert experiences, experiences, sorry, somebody may want to see, you know, or their favorite rapper on a private Zoom card and have a meet and greet. So they throw 50 bucks at Carbon Offsetting. But then, now I got your attention. Now I have a way to communicate with you. Yeah. And we, we're, we're really working on like innovative ways to visualize all this stuff. So we can bring people into the conversation because I think too often, and this is back to your cancel culture shit or appropriation stuff, people are such purists. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, if you don't know what I'm already, what I already know, then you're a fucking idiot. And why don't you know that yet? Yeah. Well, no, no. Let's have the conversation <laughs> and educate them. And like, I myself have, have been guilty of that in the past as well. Getting frustrated with people, it's just not because they're bad people. It's just they don't they don't have the knowledge yet. They yeah, don't yeah. know yet. And it's just, it's not fair to get mad at someone who hasn't even been given the opportunity mm. to learn for themselves and formulate their own opinion. So. In terms of what the work you're currently doing and what you've seen in, in this career that you have or this, this job that you're doing right now, what do you think the biggest challenge is um, that climate change is facing? So, in my opinion, it's there's so much money and brilliant people all doing fantastic work, but we're all working in silos and regions. Mm-hmm. For This is the like that global governance thing. When you need to meet a problem of this magnitude, you need to meet it together, which means you need to have, have knowledge sharing and resource sharing across the board. But often in a capitalist society, we're in constant competition with one another, right? So it's very yes. hard to yeah. mobilize these yeah. resources to, as effectively as they could. Yeah. Why are we going to help them? What are they going to give to us? Yeah, there's there's big business, like there's the business side of things. They need to incorporate sustainability into up and down their supply chain. Governments need to have stricter regulations and uh, completely revamp like the carbon economy um but i always feel the conversation centered on the person oh well fucking go refill your glass mason jars at the grocery and don't make all these individual choices you know how hard it is to live a really sustainable lifestyle you gotta put the time in yeah. to educate yourself you ought there's often people will think it's more expensive there's a lot of great options out there but you gotta go find them it's hard to do so i don't think that the owner should be on each person to, I mean, everybody has to do their part, but I don't think the conversation should be centered around us all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that there needs to be more cooperation across the board. Um, like there's something like- From the people at the top. You're talking about the, when you say cooperation across the board, you're talking about the powers that be, the people at the top. Yeah, so there's there's one good thing the Canadian government's doing right now, which nobody really knows about, but we're creating these uh, innovation hubs in each province where we're partnering uh, research institutions because universities all have the world's best research institutions. Mm-hmm. We're partnering them with government so they can co-actively, uh, co- so cooperatively, cooperatively review which regulations need to be put in place, which need to be slashed, gotten away. Mm-hmm. So now they're cooperating between academia and government. Then the third thing is they're they're bringing capital, capital um, like Bencap funds and uh, industry leaders. 
So an idea will now go through the research institution, the government will learn how they can make it easier for this to get to market quicker, and then the company comes in, invests in it, and actually takes it to market. We are now have a, a trifecta of cooperation there, and we're, we're specializing in um, specific sectors for each, like uh, AI manufacturing in Southern Ontario, or uh, uh, aquaculture and, and fish farms out in the East Coast. Like, it's I think it's a fantastic. And this is just this is just Canada. This is just one country. This is Canada. But like their MIT is probably the best university in the world for what they call their spin-off department. Where do you know how many brilliant kids have fucking ideas in these labs, you know, with multi-million dollar research grants? And then some company swoops in and just takes it and then yeah. makes all the money out. Or, or or buries it. Yeah. Or buries it. That's very possible. That's, too. that's a bit that's a big thing, right? It's it's like there's that whole argument or conspiracy that cancer's been cured for years. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just that someone like Pfizer has bought the mm -hmm. care for it, patented, now they've just buried it because there's more money in treating it than there is Pharmaceutical companies are, in my opinion, the fucking worst example of scumbaggery with intellectual property. Like, because uh, an African country may have signed what's called a structural adjustment program in the 70s, they may be, they may be legally obligated to buy like HIV AIDS pills, like antiretroviral treatment for like, hundreds of percent more dollars and dollars more per pill because the u.s pharmaceutical was attached to that in the 1976 loan through the imf of the world bank it, and and meanwhile that country gets a 30 to 50 year patent and all they do is tweak a little chemical boom you get another another patent because yeah. the argument always is that research development is so expensive yeah well you're using government grants and taxpayer money for the research and then you're privatizing all the rewards so we're yeah. socializing the risk and we're privatizing the reward go fuck yourself and but China and India can make these pills for pennies on the dollar, and, yeah. and it'll save lives. Yeah. So don't fucking get me started on pharmaceuticals and their. You know, and then there's property. these massive, there's these massive campaigns against people taking, you know, the generic brands of these drugs. Yeah. It's like don't, no, 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 don't take, don't take acetaminophen. No, no, you, you need to be taking Tylenol. You need to be taking Tylenol. Or it's the same thing where I had um, a couple of years ago, my dog, my dog was really sick, mm. and I went to the vet, and they're like, okay, hey, cool, like. You need to go and get this. It has to be this. It has to be this brand. Blah blah blah. And then before I went to the pharmacy, I put something on my social media about like my dog being sick and all this. And I've had some people reach out. It's like, well, you know, like you, you can just it. you can just give them like baby aspirin, mm -hmm. or, like and all this shit. It's like, no, like no, I have to get these four or five hundred dollars worth yeah. of these this specific branded medication mm -hmm. that my dog needs or else it's gonna die. And do you think maybe that vet has a partnership with those specific drug companies? Weird, right? In the US yeah, they do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, of course they no, do. It's, it's, of course it was where's where's the fucking empathy yeah. in, in, in humanity? And that brings me to to our next topic is the the fleeting empathy that I see present. And I mean, it's not to say that the humanity is lost because there are so many good people out there. Oh, yeah. There's so many fantastic people, but it always seems to be like the pieces of shit that get the spotlight. Oh yeah. And the, and the, and the, the lack of it. Because shit sells. Yeah, shit right? Sells. It's, it's a drama sells, shit yeah. sells, clout. They call people call it clout now. Clout sells. And it's just, I really think that we've lost a lot of empathy. And it's a shame that the good deeds are not being in the forefront of what's in the media. It's always the bad shit. See, I think it's funny because like we were talking about this earlier and I think we both agreed though that the internet is quite quite arguably the world's greatest invention. You know, Absolutely. at the tip of our fingers, access to all human knowledge. Mm -hmm. But for every piece of knowledge, there's a hundred things of bullshit and penises ready to be shown. Yeah, exactly. So you gotta wade through the bullshit. Um, what was I gonna say there? I had to touch on this point. 
What was your question again? Repeat it one more time. Oh, just with this lack of empathy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I would say that because we're interconnected, and I, I, I see all the horrible things happening around the world, but I do feel a very strong empathy with a person I never met mm -hmm. uh, 5,000 miles away because we, we see the images of the struggle and strife. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about, you know, the baby boomers or the... The only thing you heard about World War II was, oh, the boys are fighting hard and taking it to the Kaiser. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, it was yeah. it wasn't until Vietnam where we saw the true horrors of war and it completely shifted public opinion. We did talk about this, the power of the camera. Yeah, the power, the power of the power of the camera. camera. So you may think that you know the bullshit's being elevated and there's less empathy, but I'd say on mass, mm -hmm. I think kids are a, a lot more empathetic, a lot more understanding. Do you know that I can't remember the exact number on the on the case study, but the average person in 2010 or whatever absorbs more bits of information in a month or a day or a week, whatever, then somebody in Shakespearean times absorbing their whole life. That's a lot of shit to take in then. Well, it's, yeah, and it's because of the access that we have, yeah. whether it be the the internet or so, I mean, everything you is You can just walk into the street, you get, you get advertised a hundred million different things yeah. within one hour. Versus, let, let's say uh, the Shakespearean times, the, the 1300s, 1400s, whatever it was, where literally, like you've got your local, your local politics and your yeah. local gossip and your and new your God was real. On. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you were all God fearing, and like you were in your tiny, tiny, tiny little bubble, mm. and you had, did, you didn't know anything else that was going on. And if you did, it was as a messenger from the other side of England gave you. you got, yeah, you, got you had to take note. him at his word. Yeah, yeah. You get a little <laughs> note. It's like letter to the king. It's like that's gonna be forged. But you gotta think about that. Like, it's sad to say, but like. You're, you don't fucking know a lot of things. Yeah. You know what I mean, like these people, like, they had different forms of knowledge, different forms of wisdom, and obviously there's, it's the evolution of society, but back to your original question, I think that we're just constantly bombarded by so much stuff that it's impossible to care about it all. You know I, what I mean? I'll agree with that. Everybody's gotta pick their issue these days. Yeah. And well, everyone's an expert. Yeah, everyone's, everyone's a fucking expert. Yeah. Oh, buddy. Which is, which is the worst because people's attention span you know what I mean? You think oh, you it's could understand? It's shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. I, I read a, tw I read a 20, 170 character tweet or a 20 minute blog article and you think you're an expert yeah. on geopolitical situations yeah. or the economy? Yeah. Dude, it drives me nuts. <laughs> like international taxation sounds boring as shit, but I had a professor named Mick Moore as a world leading expert. You let this, I literally think this guy should have three hours to talk to the world mm -hmm. because he's like, okay, well, this is how you solve this problem. I'm like, why are we not doing this? <laughs> like, it's wild, yeah, yeah. but it's so complex. It'd take me a lifetime to know what that man knows. Yeah, but people don't want that. Yeah, that's people what I'm saying. But that. some they other guy would be like, fucking taxes are bullshit, man. Yeah. Government's pretty It's like, no, no, no. Go listen to Mick explain yeah. how you, they're just being completely misused. According to an article that I read yeah, on yeah, Forbes, yeah. Uh, fake news. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I didn't spend, 20 years of my life studying this topic, yeah. reading every piece of information, forming hypothesis, executing my, my yeah. hypothesis, and learning more, and then coming to this fucking solution. Yeah. But no, 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 it's it's fake news. Which is, peer, which is the peer-reviewed solution. Yeah. Before you can even publish, you gotta have other independent scientists look at your work. Um, it's just, it's just wild, and I mean, t talking about like the power of the camera and how, easily everything is exposed now whether it be fact checking or whether it be you know this guy's full of shit well, let me the, let me google but this if you send somebody out. a snopes fact check they're like oh snopes is a liberal media so i'm like just how look do you at win? the sources how do you they gave you how do like, you it's win? ridiculous how, can, how are you expecting and if you do and if you don't like, it's exactly going back to the point where it's it's so hard to convince someone when their mind has already been made up yeah and you know the other thing is too and we were discussing this before it was like 
it's it's sad to say, but like the spectrum of quote unquote liberalism is so wide. Yeah. From your woke woke social justice mm-hmm. warriors to your average moderate. And it's the more you know about an issue, and there's a study that showed that again, I keep saying this, oh, I got a lot of studies to send you. Uh, the more you know about a subject, like the more of an expert you are, the harder it is to explain to people. Because when you think you know something, but you got five key points about it, you just drill those five key points. Like, nope, that's what it is. That's mm-hmm. how it is. Now, if I know a million points about it, oh, okay, where do I start? No, yeah. you're not understanding this. It's impossible. And you get flustered. And then people, when I, when I look, think of like modern day American Republicanism, you have your strong one at the top. There's the good guys and the bad guys. And it's a simple narrative. Yeah. A simple narrative that's easy to repeat and repeat and repeat. And the more you repeat something, the more truth becomes, the more ingrained in your soul it is to try and change. Mm-hmm. So liberals are too busy shooting like shooting each other in the foot because we can't agree on the, the the purity of your liberalism meanwhile on the right what kind of liberal yeah, are you yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck, fuck you mean what kind of liberal am i like ridiculous yeah. you know what i mean like it's i just wish that we were able to have really in-depth conversation and like he who he who knows he knows nothing truly knows something whatever the hell that quote is you know what it's like you have to realize every conversation you approach it i am been horribly guilty of this in the past mm-hmm. You know, you cannot come with a set of like a predisposed bias. You always have to be open to a piece of information which will yeah. change your entire opinion. Yeah. I'm always be on the lookout for something that, you know, oh shit, I didn't know that. Now I know that and it's okay to change your opinion. I think that's one of the things in modern society now. It's pretty hard for people to change their stance. Like you gotta, think, you gotta live or die by your ideology. I, I, will, I will agree and disagree with that point. And what I mean by that is I will agree with you, but I will say that I think that people are so afraid to admit that they've changed their mm-hmm. mind on something. That's it. Yeah, agree. I think that's the huge thing because I was extremely guilty of hopping on a bandwagon uh, a little under a year ago, and the more I learned about it, the more I did my research. I stopped. I stopped. Just click share, click yeah. share, click repost. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do my own research on this. And then the more I learned about it, I was just like, oh shit. Like, I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about at all. I'm actually, I agree with the other side mm. of this, or even if you want to pick a side, the other side of this, of this viewpoint. And the, you know, when I start to talk to friends or people that initially I was agreeing with, it's like, well, did you, did you know about this? Or were you aware that this was going on? It's like, what the fuck, you're a fucking traitor. Yeah. What are you talking Shut about? Shut up. You're a fucking idiot. That's, it. That's all you're done. That's the whole point of education and learning is because you, your opinion, whether you're, it's, it's valid or not, mm-hmm. everyone's opinion is valid for the most part. You can learn and change. There's, it's so important. There's this one thing though that pisses me off. And I, I can't remember the name of the civil rights leader, but it's like a quote that I really love. And it's uh, basically, it's like, we can have different opinions, but when your opinion challenges my my rights as a human being, then the conversation ends there. Mm-hmm. So I, I really hate when Republicans go, oh, boo-hoo, Democrats say space, uh, snowflakes can't uh, can't even have, you know, agree to disagree. It's like, no, it's just that some of the shit you're doing well, is not- Well, some shit you can't agree to disagree. There's no such thing as good people who are chanting the Jews will not replace it. Yeah. Uh, that that's not all in my opinion. Yeah. It's okay to punch a Nazi in the face. I, 100%. I don't see I why agree, yeah. we think that this is a, a difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. If your opinion is for the ethnic cleansing of an entire race, that's not an opinion. That's his mental mental health issue. And you were no we can no longer be friends. Yeah, like, like this, go conversa- fuck this conversation is fucking over. It's exactly. say, it's like you know, we can have a dis- we can have a difference of opinion. As you know, up until like racial rights and stuff like that, there's been a whole bunch of posts. And I agree with that. Like, if you're like, 
well, you know, I, I understand he was racist, but it's like, well, no, 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 that's it. Like, yeah. if you're doing racist shit, like, th- this conversation's fucking over. We can't agree to disagree no. on racism. No. Are you fucking well? So that's exactly it, right? And, like, obviously there's varying degrees of it. Like, mm. some of it's, you know, pretty... Some of it's it, ignorance. It, you can't really... Is it ignorance or is it racism? Yeah. I, thought, I think there's also... I can't remember how somebody phrased this one time. It's like, there's prejudice and then there's racism. It's like, a lot of times you don't realize you have this inherent prejudice or bias. And it's not until you get called on, you're like, oh, fuck, no, that, that, I guess yeah. that is stemmed from, you know, stereotypical, you know, culture or whatever. The things that have been ingrained over yeah, time, right? Exactly. Like, it's, it would be prejudice to well, say that Asians are, Asians are bad drivers. Well, it's, it's stereotypes alone. Like, they had to come from somewhere. And it's just they get, they are fostered and they, you know, they're, somewhat amicable to the people that are are perpetuating that yeah. and it's like that's not that's not funny like that's not no you can't you know a woman walking down her street and if there's a if there's a black guy walking on the same side of the street she clutches her purse yeah. automatically so oh i don't i don't mean to do it i don't mean to do it i just you know exactly so that's an example right that's it but that's an example like i'm sure she had no problem with black people themselves but she's been fed an yeah. image for her whole life which makes her think that that's the inherent knee-jerk reaction, yeah. right? When 9.9999999 times out of 10, it's, it's not, you're not, not gonna have an issue. There's no fucking no issue. No one's gonna grab your purse. Yeah, like, personally, I'm more scared of the meth head white guy with the neck tattoo. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I don't, have, ta- I don't have any neck tattoos once, yet. Once your tattoos hit your neck, I'm gonna be weird. I'm gonna clutch my purse, buddy. <laughs> I was there. I, I met up with a with a buddy of mine who uh, he's a Maasai warrior. So Maasai are what's one. A, of, what's a Maasai warrior? So if you've ever pictured uh, like your quintessential African warrior, they have red and black checkered clothing. They're the lion hunters. Okay. To become a man, this is in Kenya. This is in Kenya. Yeah. So to become a man in Maasai culture, you typically had to kill a lion. That was your rite of passage. Um, Obviously now they're trying to wean that wean off that because you need to be stewards and protectors of the land because mm-hmm. tourism is obviously the number one source of income. Mm-hmm. So um, my friend Nelson runs the IC Maasai Development Initiative. He's Maasai himself. And uh, oh, can I tell you this one story? And I'll, I'll wrap it up absolutely, after this. Absolutely. So, so the Maasai believe that every cow on earth belongs to them. When God created Maasai, he also created cow. And so livestock is everything. When he was nine years old, the government that day was going to each Maasai village and taking one kid and putting him in high school. And that day, Nelson had lost a goat. He was nine years old. So as punishment, his dad said, okay, you're going to school now. As punishment. As punishment. So he walked 20 kilometers there, 20 kilometers back through herds of buffalo. He had to take a senior warrior with him because the buffalo kill more people in Africa than all the other big five animals combined. Mm -hmm. You make eye contact with the buffalo, you're getting your ass. They kill more people than hippos? More people than hippos. Wow. Yeah. So, but hippos are pretty dangerous. Yeah. Like, geez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, where is it going with this? So anyway, so he's, he's opened up his, he, well, he went to Germany. He worked in the hotel business. He came, took that knowledge, came back, opened up an eco resort, and he puts about 40% of his revenue back into the community. So he's built three primary schools, a vocational institute, the Maasai Mars for his library. Uh, this year, he just won the UN Equator Prize for biodiversity protection. So when I was there, I had I wanted to do like a small project, right? So we trained and trained 50 women how to make, sell, and package different types of liquid soaps and bar soaps for the tourists because there's one road that leads to 500 safari camps. And whether it's high season, low season, everybody wants something artisanal, locally produced, supports uh, you know the local community. Mm-hmm. And 
within two days of doing the project, we had something like two dozen Safari Camp sign on to buy soap from the world. And when you say, like, when you say we, you keep saying we, this was the company you worked for? No, so I was there for three days a week. I was at a place called the Imani Institute, which okay. was started by a former Harvard business guy. Ashoka is like basically, um, it's like a social entrepreneurial, like, fun kind of where they train and provide support and networking for people with ideas that can change the world. And uh, he started this Amani Institute as a way to have like, what are the real soft skills that people have? Like leadership, coaching, uh, empathy, like, but then, you know, how does that transfer to your, like your tangible business skills? So anyways, I was doing that three days a week, then I would work four days a week. And at the same time, they, one of the things during class was design a project. Mm -hmm. So I found funding from a South African student. This environmental was school group. for you. Yeah, school. Wild. But like our here so our professors, like one was the head of leadership development for all McKinsey partners. Another guy was a McKinsey guy who was flying out of Libya on a Black Hawk helicopter while it was collapsing. He's like, What am I doing with my life? Yeah. And then he made a whole change. Yeah. The other one was the head of sustainability for Patagonia clothing. We had a three day seminar with Jerry White, who won the Nobel Peace Prize in nineteen ninety seven for banning cluster bombs and mines. So it's a, it's just wild, like the level of talent that comes in. It's a lot more hands-on than your traditional schooling. So you got to see, so you're talking about that guy from Libya, you know, that guy flying in in a fucking mm -hmm. helicopter. So for your time in Kenya, you you got to be around the well-off and the extremely not well-off, the extremely poor as well. You got to see both sides. Oh, it's wild. Like, so- Like the extreme is wild, is what you're saying. Yeah, like the, so the like one in, the, in, the global, in the global south, when you go to these big like, like metropolitan epicenters, there's, it's almost like the disparity is visible immediately, right? Mm -hmm. There's a place you can go that, no problem, that's like the Westlands in Nairobi, They're beautiful mansions. But you go to Mathari, a 200,000 person slum, I would get my ass, like I would get ripped apart limb from limb if yeah. I was by myself, right? Yeah. Uh, just because, again, the level of poverty is, is just so bad. And I have one of my classmates, Tito, he runs a, uh, a youth group there. And basically they, they find bright young students from the slum and then give them a, uh, scholarships to go to university mm -hmm. but like when you walk around with him it's everything's fine you're good yeah because and local. like he used to be you know in the in the streets and yeah. then you know bettered himself now he's getting back to the community and he's got a bunch of little setups for the for the local boys and girls like to help to get them their own side hustles yeah so did i see the disparity hell yeah but one of the beautiful things about a city like that is you go to a bar and you're talking to Every Ivy League social impact Ben Cap guy in for a meeting, like it's it's so easy to meet people. Yeah. Because it's a little big city. And right? from from all over the world. From all over the world. Mm -hmm. It's the hub of East Africa. Like mm -hmm. it was the first one to come in with the internet during a fiber optic cable to Mombasa. So once fiber optic internet cable come, that dramatically expands your, your tech adoption. They actually call it the Silicon Savannah. In, uh, the in Silicon Savannah. Kenya, yeah. Kenya is yeah. the Silicon The Silicon Savannah, they call it. It's wild. It reminds me a lot of the time. How long were you there for? About a year. About a year. I was in. I signed a year-long contract to go work in Dubai, and I only made it. I made it to six months. I couldn't fucking do it anymore, just because of the way that the the ultra poor were treated and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, and just over was, the hill, you got a million Bangladeshi construction workers well, with that, no human that, rights. And so that was the thing. So yeah, the the government controlled everything, and we'd be. In like in the car on their on our way to work to go open up the restaurant, me and my coworkers, a bunch of us lived together, and we knew like based on our thermometers on our cell phones and around the house that we were living in that it was sixty three degrees Celsius mm -hmm. in the heat of July in Dubai, 
And it's a government mandate that construction workers can't work if it's over 60 degrees Celsius. But the government also <laughs> controls the radio. I think once it hits 50, I'm literally going yeah, to pass like, out and die. Yeah. I think it's 45 here in Canada. Yeah, isn't something it? like that. Yeah. Whatever it is here is the heat of hottest we get. But we get in the in the car to go to work, and then the government radio station comes on, or any radio station, the government fucking controls them all. And they're like, okay, it's a blistering 58 degrees yeah. in Dubai. So it's okay, cool. So the government says it's 58. So therefore, you guys got to go to work. Mm-hmm. And a bu- Bangladeshi, Sri Lankans, Pakistani, yeah. um, even some so- South Africans and all that kind of stuff, like the the poor white, the poor mm-hmm. white South Africans. Um, and they would they would have to go to work, and they would live in these these work camps. Because if you don't do it, there's 10 other people ready to step up and take it. Yeah, yeah, literally. The largest flow of foreign direct investment in the world is remittances being sent from family members working overseas back to other people. It's the largest flow of money in the world. That's what our our driver would tell us. He would say that I'm working and every month I send 90% of everything I make back home. Gotta do it. Because it's like Sri Lanka or Pakistan or wherever they're living is extremely poor and back home they need the fucking money. Mm -hmm. And it's 30, 40 people living in a house just like in Dubai, it may be 10 to 12 Pakistani guys sharing a one bedroom apartment because they pool their money and they can afford this rent together so they can send all their money back. And the irony of it is, you know, you spend five years away from your family to support them and they come back, they don't know you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I know I, this was kind of my first foray into that. When I was in Sri Lanka, we were working with uh, women's empowerment groups and the women working overseas as care workers is like a massive part of their GDP. But the horror stories that these women came back with. Mm-hmm. There was a woman that we met. She spoke like four languages. She was the most like the pride of her community. And then she went to Jordan, and the woman—it was actually the woman of the house, not the man uh, of this you know rich Jordanian family—took her passport, and the abuse that started immediately. She they she cut the bottom of the her feet. They did the same thing. In, yeah. Not not the cutting feet. They took our passport. Oh, it's yeah, the same thing. As long as you're employed and yeah. you have your work visa, that we're holding your passport. Correct. That's just the way it is. Correct. That's fucking wild. And there's more people in indentured servitude, aka slavery, right now than there ever was died in slavery. It's wild when That's you think about that. Fucking right? insane. So, so this lady though, she had tried to commit suicide by jumping off the roof, and instead, she just horribly mangled herself permanently. Mm-hmm. So she was there with no support, back in a poor community because the, the Jordanian lady had no use for her, given that her legs and arms were broken. Yeah, like it was just sad. And the worst part, like was, a double outcast. Yeah, and the worst part was they're sending money home. And the best scenario is that you have grandma at home to take care of the kids. Um, because in my experience, like the male culture there, they have a long way to go. Um, in where? And it's, I'm not I'm not one to judge, yeah. you know, doozy please. I totally understand there's different historical context. The male culture in where though? Like the way about. that men spend the money, but when the women, so the women would be care workers and send it back home. And the, what the men would do with that money, if the men are at home raising the kids in Sri Lanka, oh, and it was just squ- squandered yeah. funds after squandered funds. The stories that we kept hearing, mm-hmm. um, it was it's just, it was just sad. It was it was it was sad. But uh, but regardless, so I got I don't want to be. I think I'm halfway through my my uh, my resume, but let's just move on. Yeah. Well, it's then I got my master's in the UK. Now I work for a, a climate change startup. Blah blah blah. But it's so it's so interesting to me because you you you've lived overseas and you've done a whole bunch of things and you you said that you worked um, with indigenous peoples as well mm-hmm. and a big thing that's going on right now in the world it's always been going on we're not gonna lie but but a thing that is is really being discussed discussed right now is cultural appropriation yeah and indigenous rights 
So in the work that you did and the things that you were doing, what are some of ex some examples that you came across or some things that you felt that were very noticeable to you in that regard? Because I'm sure you would know much more than the average listener or the average person who is not educated claiming cultural appropriation mm. or, you know, indigenous rights. If you're going to say something, know what the fuck you're talking about. Absolutely. And you know what, from my perspective, it was, we had, we'd formed a rapport, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a level of respect and understanding like my, my Maasai name. And I got this after I completed the projects. Like not only we, we did we train the woman how to make selling package soap, which they're still doing five years later, yeah. but we, we brought 150 soul lamps, charging pads, 150 water filters. And then we got them wholesale at cost and then got them to flip it. Since then, there's now something like 15,000 of each in the last five mm -hmm. years that Nelson has continued that little project. So now like, Obviously, I will, I will walk into a village and they go, Alasa Kwan. So my name is Alasa Kwan, which means like the crazy buffalo. Okay. So because I'm a That's big a cool I, Yeah, yeah. That's a cool fucking name. Oh, man. man. We were drunk around the bonfire. Yeah. I'm throwing spears and yeah. shit like that. You could, and I was there doing the migration. So yeah. you just hear lines in the background saying like they're 10 feet away from you eating whatever the hell they're eating yeah. zebras and, and wildebeest. But anyways, but like I got that name because of like the mutual respect and work that we had done. Mm -hmm. Right? So you, you, you earned that name. Exactly. Earned but I am a white straight male yeah so i have no real right to say how to, like i don't want to say that me doing something is it like i can't control how somebody feels about that yeah. right like if i i would never wear a native headdress yeah you know what i mean and that, unless that's what, that's i was at a ceremony things. with them and it, it, it was encouraged that i do see and that's the whole thing where it's the more you know like you want to dumb it down to saying knowledge is power whatever it is but to automatically assume that someone is doing something out of hate mm -hmm. and not out of well i think it's not even hate though it's also if you're monetizing somebody's culture for your own fair benefit. fair that's better said or or displaying, displaying something improperly and we'll say we'll come back to the headdress let's say the, the native american headdress the indigenous indigenous yeah. people's headdress i was looking at instagram today and there was um, a video like I follow a lot of tattoo artists and a tattoo artist um, was putting on a stencil on a girl's back and it was a full back piece of uh, a white woman with a headdress and like a, holding a fox and this was this entire and this chick getting the tattoo yeah. was as pale as you and I and yeah. like bright blonde hair and the comment section was just blowing up going the fuck off and I, for one, I agree. Like, I don't think that at any point you should have, as as a white person, yeah. especially as a white person, a fucking tattoo of someone else who is evidently white, because it's always white, a white girl or a white warrior looking yeah, yeah, guy yeah. with a headdress tattooed on your fucking arm. That's wild. You think some girl from Coachella? Yeah, tattooed yeah, on your exactly, arm, exactly. And I mean, do you think? And I mean, if you want to even have some light humor about it. Do you think that any Native Americans or Indigenous peoples are getting tattoos of fucking white people? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there, there's always an exception to everything. I don't think that, but do you know there was, uh, I can't remember if it was Algonquin or the Huron, like Huron tribes, but they didn't wear big fancy headdresses prior to the white man coming. Like there was a very, in, in again, not all Indigenous mm. cultures, but in the Ontario region, there's a very like horizontal power structure. Mm. The women would often get to decide if the men went to war. Really? Uh, yeah, and it, like if somebody was showed like trans characteristics, both a woman and a man, they were revered as having you know the wisdom of, of, of a woman and the blah blah blah. The blah, warrior man. prowess, yeah. of whatever, male, whatever. whatever the, the, again, I'm not going to say the wrong thing because I'm sure somebody will correct me on it. But yeah. but the the headdress was was as a way because white people have concepts of 
possession and, mm. and leadership and, and hierarchy. Like military, like so military. they wore that during negotiations to show them, okay, I'm the guy you're talking to. I'm right? the negotiator. Now they did have traditional headdress and all this stuff. And again, I'm sure there's a million exceptions to what I just said, but I had seen it um, when I was in, in the Sicily. They were telling me, they're like, do you think we would run through the woods with a two foot tall feather yeah. thing on our head? Yeah. It's like you get caught all the time. Or, or hi- like yeah. if you're hunting and you're going to be hiding yeah. from your quarry. It was something that became more prominent. And it's going to be bright in beads and feathers and something like that. Well, I mean, no, that's not standard fucking attire. No, correct. So but the, it was more popularized, from what I understand, as a way to, during negotiation, status symbols, right? Yeah. And isn't it wild that indigenous people, um, you know, in a lot of these first negotiations, the more you share, the more you give, the higher your status. Mm-hmm. To, 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 to want to accumulate all this nonsense, there's a yeah. great sitting bull quote, I wish I could remember, but, you know, these white people that have a love of things, you know, like, they didn't have a concept for that. So whenever everybody always thinks, well, they were getting screwed over in the treaties. Well, yeah, they were. But to them, by sharing all these things and doing all these nice things, that was actually more status for them. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of really, and this is what I've, what I've loved about it, is every indigenous culture I've ever immersed myself in uh, or worked with, like, so primarily here in Canada and in Kenya, uh, it's, 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 it never ceases to amaze me the level of knowledge and wisdom that we don't implement into our everyday lives. But yeah. it sounds so simple when an elder gives you, you know, a half hour speech on who, who their people are, what they represent and what they value in life. And you're like, why the fuck are we not doing this? Yeah. Like there's such simple human concepts that everything's just been bastardized and lost. Well, we keep trying to fuck with the recipe and that's the thing, right? I mean, if you look at some of the most successful people, let's say in terms of money in the world and you ask them about the formula for the success, it's not fucking rocket science. Mm-hmm. It's head down, work hard, be, uh, be at the right place at the right time, be good, create opportunities. And I mean, we had this discussion um, before we recorded about luck. You told mm-hmm. me something interesting about luck. There's a there's a case study that, sh- that they interviewed a couple hundred or a couple thousand, whatever millionaires, and then ranked the number one factors uh, that led to that. And luck was number one above, mm-hmm. you know, inheritance of money or Ivy League education. Generational wealth. Yeah. yeah. And I was saying to you, luck, need, luck though, is first of all, what an ambiguous variable to put yeah. into a case study. But well, yeah, we we agreed on luck being it's when preparation meets opportunity. That's it. And it's, I, I think, I don't think a truer statement could be said, but I think it's really funny that it's, 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 we'll use the term blanket. It's a, it's a blanket term now. It's yeah. luck. It's so am- ambiguous. But it, this is what I was saying. It's everything good in my life has come through a fortuitous conversation, a, a, a beer or a handshake. Mm-hmm. I think in today's day and age, like, for example, when you apply to the UN, you know how fucking hard it is to get into the UN. You got to do years of internships at the time mm-hmm. because there's every best and brightest kid from every country around the world applying for these internships. Yeah. So, you, you know, you often you have to know someone, right? As with anything in life. So nepotism, that's luck, man. Though, right? Fucking, that's yeah, luck. Is, so then is luck nepotism? Like, it's no, why? It's, 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 it's the, it's, there's one thing in it. You're lucky that your neighbor works for this agency and he's yeah. gonna get you an interview. Yeah. It's lucky that you, uh, you know, joined a fraternity with this guy who's gonna give you this leg up somewhere. That's, you know, life's a snowball. Yeah, but that's what, yeah, that's one thing though. You got to talk to this person. You got to form a connection or a relationship that puts you in a good Hence light the in their eyes. Well, yeah, right? It's, preparedness. It's, that's, it's just so funny. And I mean, to say luck, it, you know, it, it's just, so, it's so, it's, I think it's oversimplified. Oh, I yeah. think that's a big Extremely. problem. I think it's a big problem as to why we fuck with the formula of success. 
or even the form of humanity over the years so much because it's like it can't be that simple it can't be that simple well when you're looking at it at a certain light or in a certain definition yes it can but you just have you've got to be you've got to be prepared for your luck yeah i'd say absolutely and it's 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 wild when you look at it that sense and i mean let's come back to um we got off a bit but i wanted to lean into uh we were, we were getting closer to talking about cancel culture and because we were talking about indigenous rights and how people are appropriating them and people not wanting to put in the hard work like you did you did duck work for 10 years like an hvac job which i'm sure is not a glorified fucking job no man that sucked <laughs> it sucked but i'm the type of guy where like i can go put in like we would do ridiculous hours totally broke all the labor laws but like mm. I think our record was 36 hours once. We did worked at a hospital on the Callaway. Like we yeah. did, I did all the D&D buildings. But I, again, it's because I don't mind getting my hands dirty to get the money to get me back to the place I needed to be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, after I come back from overseas, like I, I, I had a meeting with four different directors uh, for government jobs because I got into this thing called ABAP program where you can get automatically hired at EC3. It's a good level to start at. Every single director wanted to hire me, but said, right at the end, because I would I would try to avoid the question. They said, how's your French? I said, ah, je ne comprends pas. Yeah. They, oh, I can't. I physically cannot hire you. I don't know what to tell you, dude. Like, well, I really want to, but I'm yeah. sorry, I can't. So then, okay, back in the ducks, Johnny, until I got my next thing. And then I got my next opportunity. So um, when I came back from my master's, I was trying to start my own, um, like, this is something that that luck could have made me a bajillionaire. Yeah. We had, a, I met a, a Mormon guy what a technology that can make a potato last like three or four years in storage without use of chemicals using electra uh, electron radiation okay it's not as long as you don't stick your hand in the machine it's fine but we had a, we had, <laughs> just don't stick your hand in the machine well the, 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 the alternative right now is a chemical like every potato you've ever eaten in your life is a chemical called cipc highly carcinogenic the eu just banned it so now potatoes go from being able to be stored for a year to two years getting soaked in chemical to now three months so the world's fourth largest cash crop in the european union right now is going to have a major fucking crisis in two years mm -hmm. when they have no way of preserving these potatoes. So this idea, though, this guy who was a crazy Mormon with a gun on his hip, Trump loving. So we were at polar opposites in terms of who we were, but I knew that this technology could be huge. Yeah. So um, we had a, a soft offer of $45 million for the patent from a Russian lawyer. But given the conspiratorial <laughs> crazy Mormon that he yeah, was, he didn't want to do that, man. I didn't want to do that. So, but like that's, but I gambled on it, right? Yeah. So I worked during the day, during my HVAC, and then I tried to build this thing. I got us a research institute. I got two government clients lined up. I got a manufacturer lined up. I had everything but the $5 million to build the machine. And it's every, because every time I would get an investor meeting, someone courted, they would immediately know that this Bruce guy is a wackadoo. Yeah. And there's nothing I can do because he's the man who owns a pet. Yeah. But I don't regret taking that year or a year and a half of my life because imagine I, I did get it to succeed and I could have literally helped like put a major dent in food security around the world. Yeah. Like this machine, India just built $500 million worth of gamma radiation machines for their potatoes. Yeah. Now we were using electrons, which is safer, cheaper, better, but India is doing it because it's literally going to help feed people yeah. and grow their agricultural sector. So. You gotta take a chance sometimes. It's so, it's just so funny. I mean, I understood what you were saying, you know, for the most part, but you're talking about doing this when you were younger and now everyone's concerned about how, what can I do on TikTok that's going to make me blow up and get me ad spaces and make me fucking lots of money. Like it's, I don't think that there's the same effort 
for a lot of youth, we'll call them these days. It just doesn't seem like they don't want to earn. But I think like, this, I think earn. the stupid I think the stupidity and like the lowest common denominator is what you're seeing. But I know a lot, a lot of sharp motherfucking kids. I'd fucking hope busting so. their dicks. I'd fucking hope so. I think to try and do amazing things. For me, I I don't see nearly as much the depth as you do, just because I'm not around it. Like I'm 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 around fucking actors and bartenders. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I don't see. I don't see the generation. That's a bit more perhaps the vein, yeah. the vein TikTok crap. Yeah, exactly. So I don't see it. So I mean, let's discuss. Let's talk about that for a while. I like. I mean, I'm glad that you know a lot of sharp people. But I remember, like, you remember your first job? My first job, I was working at Food Basics back in Ottawa, and one of my first shifts, I was a cart boy. Oh yeah. One of my first shifts, I had to clean up shit. I had to clean up baby shit off like off the floor in the middle of the fucking grocery store because a toddler was running around and his diaper fell off and there was baby shit all over the fucking grocery floor and it's just like that's part of your job you got to do it i couldn't have been like you know what fuck this i'll just go on tiktok and fucking make videos and make money like nowadays if sometimes you gotta get in the shit yeah you gotta literally gotta get in the fucking shit shit. nowadays it just seems and this may me may make me sound old and crotchety and creepy but Kids these days, yeah, like there's just doesn't seem like, and I mean, I'm generalizing, yeah, of course, but but they just don't want to see seem to earn and do those shit, literally those shit jobs, like crawling through fucking ducks and doing H. Out of all of the TikTok users, I think the stat is something like only ten percent of the users create all the content. What, so, do, you, what do you mean by like that? Like ten percent of the users, or maybe even smaller, of the users on TikTok, yeah. are the ones actually creating the content. And then everyone else, everyone else seeing them. Well, yeah, most of it's a bunch of thirst traps for fucking teenagers and a bunch of weird guys. Yeah, that's out. fucking like well, that shit weirds so, me. I out, I don't man. understand TikTok because I feel like it's a it's a devolution back to vines, but a shittier version of vines. Yeah. At least vines is funny. Yeah. Like if I see one more like fifteen uh, year old white girl doing a horribly choreographed dance. I might kill myself. Like, but people <coughs> yeah. see though that small percentage of well, those those that are successful at it. And my concern is that too many kids are going to waste a lot of time thinking that they're going to be that small percentage of a small percentage. That it makes it, and you ain't it. Yeah, and if you're not focused on your education, you got other your shit to do, skills. man. Like, if you want to side hustle, if you want to be creative and passionate, all the power to you. But do not hedge, like, put all your eggs in that basket, because statistically. You're it ain't gonna, gonna work. You're not gonna fuck. You're not gonna fuck. You know what I mean? So figure it out, kid. But again, I also think that's what you see. Like I know for a fact. Like when I got my master's, I went to the Institute of Development Studies, and it's the number one program in the world for development studies. Harvard number two, Stanford number three, whatever we're fucked. So it's 25 people in my program in 24 different countries represented. By far, I was the dumbest kid there. Like, <laughs> like the dumbest. And I was 26 when I went, and I was the second youngest. Yeah. So like, it was these all like I, there were adults in the room, you know. Yeah. Like, but brilliant, brilliant people that just have the work ethic. So I know they exist. And I, and I was thinking the other day, like, thank God we've got super nerds, you know, like people that can just make the technology and solve yeah. the problems of modern today, like modern day. Cause I have no concept. If somebody yeah. told me go make an iPhone, it'd be there for the next 2000 years. Well, yeah. Thank, you know what? Thank God that we do have the, the people that have that mental capacity and the people that that's what I, I want to sit in front of a computer screen. 20 hours a day yeah. and program code. Thank wow. God we have that. On the other side of the coin, we have to be just as fucking thankful that there are people who wake up at four o'clock in the morning and you know what? I'm a garbage man. I gotta go drive down the street for yeah. the next 12 hours, picking up fucking garbage. The smell, whatever, fuck the smell. 
the dirt, whatever, fuck the dirt. I gotta do this. I'm happy to do this. I'm proud to do this. It's it's the fucking it's that massive in between we that need, just seems to be getting larger. In my opinion, we need to completely overhaul our education system. Uh, there was an Einstein quote I saw the other day where somebody had asked Einstein, "What's the speed of light?" And he said, "I don't keep information like that that can be easily looked up in a book in my head. I don't waste mm. space with that." So we reward people for regurgitating and memorizing things, and that in no way teaches you the the, the creativity, the soft skills, yes, the problem the thinking, that's and because at the end of the day. Automation is going to take half the world's jobs in the next hundred years. So what's what's going to be the most important thing? Human to human interaction skill. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the the number one most uh, hireable skills. Just the soft people skills. So why are we not teaching our kids empathy? As I was saying, coaching, leadership, communication styles. You know, like interdisciplinary, whatever the fuck, like conflict resolution. Yeah. Like, these soft skills, I think, would create conversation whereby people could feel confident to pursue whatever job that they may find yeah and there's there's their dignity in all labor don't like without absolutely. question dignity in all labor absolutely but it's not viewed i don't think it's treated as with as much respect it's not i'm not going to use the word glorify i don't think it's i mean talking about what we did before we started this where the factory worker jobs during world war ii and right after world war ii they were proud to be in the factories they're the backbone of america and they were so happy to be doing these jobs that aren't necessarily fucking glory. You're covered in soot, you're covered in ash. Oh, buddy, buddy. You're, you're getting burns from work. This is the wheels you're, of society. You're wearing you need massive overalls with work boots and gloves. That's not a quote unquote hot look. No. But you did it for the well, love of the fucking There's somebody job. on the internet that thinks it's a hot look. Well, it'll, it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be the next fashion yeah. trend for fucking, for somebody. But it's, it's those, those down to earth jobs that is, eh, I don't want. I don't want to fucking do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna. No one's gonna look at me. I'm not gonna be in the spotlight mm -hmm. for anything. And it, it, the generations that are that are coming now and coming later on, I really hope that they realize, like motherfuckers, we need people. Doing I love working with my jobs. hands. Yeah. I love working with my hands. But, but less and less people are doing that now. Of course, people, people, people often feel the need to be either creative or like doing something that they like. So there's there's like a great Venn diagram, right? You got to find something that is at the nexus of something you're good at, something the world needs, something that you can get paid for, and something that you're passionate about, or whatever, these, these four things. And in the middle is just your calling. The average age of a bricklayer, I know five years ago in Ottawa, was 65 years old. Mm -hmm. All these old Italian guys now, get, they're gonna have to retire soon, their knees and backs are shut. Yeah. So there's a massive amount of opportunity in the trades. And I do, I do think though that, um, I've seen a lot of pushes, especially by the Ontario government, like to get people into the trades. And there's a lot of, you know, you can make six figures by the age of 25, oh, absolutely. no problem. Yeah, of course. So I think that the money is the balancing factor there because while, while the rest of us may toil in our creative endeavors or our corporate jobs, these guys are rocking around in 200, $200,000. They're walking, out, they're walking out of school and they're already exactly. fucking making money. So I think that has certainly leveled the playing field for any conversation of, Oh, you're just a, a a mechanic or whatever. Like, okay, buddy. Like, do you know how to fix a car? Yeah. Do you know how to wire a plug? Shut the hell up! I can, I can change yourself. I can change a spare tire on yeah, my yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Johnny, that's a uh, that's a lot of information that I want. <laughs> those are really good. Those are really good amount of information too so thank you for that i like to finish my episodes 
as often as I can with something that I like to call story time. And it gives my guests an opportunity to tell us a little bit of a, a little bit about themselves, a little story, whether it be something funny, something that was impactful, something that changed your life. Just give us give us a good story to end this episode. Should I should I do the the sad the genocide story from Sri Lanka you when I was there, that. or should I do the prime minister? I think I think people would let's do the prime let's minister. do the prime minister. Okay, let's, let's do, do the, the prime, prime minister. Land on a high note. All right, so I used to live in New Edinburgh, which is right down the street from Twenty One Sussex. So. Yeah. Um, I didn't know this, but apparently the prime minister just jogs through the neighborhood. And it, I think the year was like 20, it was, it was Stephen Harper was in. Okay. It was last year or two. And I used to drive this big old Ford Explorer from like the eighties yeah. called the green bastard. And I yeah. broke my front sway bar. So every time I turned, it's like, it was like driving a boat where it's about to tip over and it goes. Yeah, yeah. So, so it made my turn into him much more dramatic than it really was. But <laughs> I was, I was driving home one day after work and. I live on a street where it's got two big hedgerows up the, up each side, very, very darkly lit, and it's a one-way with no sidewalk. So I turn onto my street, I'd say like 60 kilometers now. Well, a little fast, but not too much. 60 is fast enough. Wow, whatever, you know, fuck, grow up. But, um, <laughs> but then I see I see three guys, or well, four guys, sorry, jump into one of the hedgerows, like barrel right through it. I slam on the brakes, the car's rocking. I look up and who's standing in my headlights? Picking out fucking juniper berries and twigs from his hair is Stephen Harper. It was him and his security detail were jogging the wrong way down the street yeah. onto the one way, so I had the right away. So, you know, fuck that guy. So <laughs> I, I'm like, ah, oh, shit. So then the security team's got guns drawn on me. Oh, this. shit. Legit. Well, yeah, because some guy in an SUV just pulled up on a darkly lit street and tried to run him over. Oh, my God. So, so I rolled down my window. I said, sorry, Mr. Prime Minister. I couldn't see you there. <laughs> and he goes, no worries. My fault. And I had I had the opportunity to say something, you know, eloquent or nice. But in my head, I was like, yeah, what an idiot. Running the wrong way. It's like, fucking A. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to imply, like, ah, you know, I tossed the arms up. Like, here, get out of the way, asshole. To the fucking Prime yeah, Minister. Yeah, yeah, to the Prime Minister. And, uh, yeah, I was probably on a watch list after that. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's the time I almost could have been super famous you, oh, for, you, for running you, over the prime minister. Almost fucking ran over yeah, the prime front minister. front page of the, uh, the the citizen. Just you know, I did it once and I'll do it again. This was how how long ago was this? Oh. This is a while ago. This must have been 2011, 2010. So yes, you're you're it was, you're, it was, you're, you're in your twenties. It was oh yeah no I was Lo a kid. local local youth yeah yeah Daniel yeah Sullivan almost yeah. runs over Prime Minister Stephen. Well, Harper. don't run the wrong way down a one way street with no sidewalk. Get that like, fucking ghost you know the law. You yeah. write it. Yeah, asshole. Yeah, fuck. But that was at like the peak of his like unpopularity too. Yeah, so more, they, I think other people would have thanked. Exactly the thing, right? So that was the joke. <laughs> like, oh, you're almost a folk hero. <laughs> <laughs> you almost ran over Harper. <laughs> yeah, there was a security van parked outside for a little bit, but I think once they—that's fucking wild. So he had like his four. Like they weren't doing a very good fucking job letting him be in the middle of the fucking road. Right. Well, I think I think it's a safe. Was there no sidewalk? There's just no. It's like New Edinburgh is a really old neighborhood, yeah. right? Like so that it's the old timey street. That mechanics Phil? like no, no. So New, yeah. New Edinburgh's like. Uh, I'm from Ottawa. So yeah, you know, know, you know the prime minister's man. Like here's the river. Here's the mansion. You got to cross the Ottawa River. Yeah. There's like if you if you're going yeah, down Sussex, Rockland, you're going down Sussex. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Rockland's, Rockland's a really nice yeah, part, yeah, yeah. but New Edinburgh's on the right before you get to to Rockland. So it's it's all embassies and like you know whatever people, but 
Uh, didn't expect to see that guy running down down the, the headlights <laughs> of my vehicle. When you were driving back from work in the big green bastard. The big green bastard with a broken sway bar. So like it, it literally screeched the tires as I turned. Yeah. So it makes it look like I did it intentionally, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I assured him it was not. He's <laughs> no, it's my fault. Well, we uh, we have we had a guest this week that almost killed uh, almost killed the prime minister. Would that be a warning to him? Yeah, if you're still out there, Stevie. <laughs> watch when you're jogging at night. Was well, this at night? This was at night. Okay, yeah, cool. so that's who the fuck jog? Like whatever. People jog at night, but anyone He's I see, a busy man. Most people I see jogging are like, "What the fuck is wrong?" The green the green bastard no longer exists. Though I uh, I I had a jerry can of gas because uh, I was in the fraternity with Justin. That's our mutual contact. Um, I had a jerry can of gas and somebody without my knowledge replaced it with water. Uh, I don't know why, but so I, I go to, I, yeah, I think it was Andrew Mel, but anyways, I go to put the gas quote unquote in my car and get uh, full water. Yeah. So I sold that puppy for scrap metal, 500 bucks. And that was the end of it. The end of the, yeah, yeah. So no evidence. It's probably the fucking RCMP. Scratch, scratch, scratch the VIN number <laughs> yeah. off the, torch the fucking, torch the fucking car. Well, I, well, I said, I, I, and again, I had, I smoked it first. I was like, oh, it smells like gas. But uh, I, when I get a call from the mechanic, they're like, yeah, you put water in your tank, man? Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. Somebody somebody was going to get their ass kicked for that. It was probably Harper. Harper I was, that's what I said. Harper found out where you live. Yeah. He fucking snuck over there. Yeah, he showed me. He yeah, showed yeah, me. he got the last laugh. <laughs> well, Johnny, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. This was this was a lot of fun. I love having guests who are extremely intelligent and eloquent that can, can educate me in uh on topics that I haven't necessarily put as much thought into as I should have. So thanks for coming by. Love to have you on again. Uh, we're about to wrap the second season, so maybe again in season three. I'd love to have you back. Yeah, boy. Thanks a lot, buddy. No worries, bud. So everyone out there, thank you again for listening, and we will catch you guys next week for the season finale. Um, there's still time to go to angrygoat.ca. Check out some of the clothes there from the podcast. Your lips look ridiculous. And a whole bunch of daddy wear and all that fun stuff. And we'll see you guys next week.